What's going on, everybody? I'm Pastor Josh, and you are listening to another episode of the Preach That Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Preach That Podcast, episode 51. Thank you for joining me. If you saw the last episode, uh, I think you can probably tell that I am feeling much better than the last time uh, that I recorded that intro. Um, I know I missed a week. I am very sorry. Actually, I wish over, missed over a week. I'm recording this on Friday, November Eve, Saturday. Excuse me. Okay, I'll explain why my days are so mixed up here in just a second. Saturday, November 11th. This intro is actually for the message that I'm going to preach tomorrow at our church. You are going to see it Wednesday, so you'll see it after I preached. I'm recording this intro before I preached it. Hopefully, you're following along so far. Now I might be confusing you. Um, I've never recorded an intro pre-episode, uh, I guess. Um, the weeks that I use a message that I shared, I always record the intro after, but that has become a bit difficult, and I will explain why. So, typically, if you've been watching for a while, you probably knew this. If not, I know we've got some newer uh, followers, newer listeners, so I will explain a little bit. Um, I am a pastor. That's where the messages come from uh, when I share a message or you know, if I have somebody in studio uh, to record a podcast, that's a little bit different, but... I'm a, I'm a part-time pastor, full-time electrician. Um, the place that I was working previously, I work for the same company, but I work in a different location now. Previously, I worked a, a schedule of 410, so I worked 10-hour days, Monday through Thursday, and I had Fridays off. Fridays is when I would come into the studio and get the podcast recorded or an intro recorded or whatever I needed for that week to get recorded um, and be ready to go. I'm going to adjust this uh, a little bit here kind of get it dialed in. Um, I am no longer able to do that because I now have to work Fridays again. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on and I'm going to get into it in my message tomorrow, which will be the episode that you'll see uh, today when you're watching or whenever you watch it on Wednesday, the 15th, I want to say. Um, the I This messed me up big time. Um, the enemy really took this chance to attack a lot, very hard. Um, I know I talked about uh, back a little bit last time. Um, the spirits of depression and anxiety had a grip on me for many days, and it was miserable. Um, I there's still moments that I still battle, but um, I know that God has given me victory, and He will give me continue to give me more victory over this, over these spirits, over these attacks. Um, I feel much better now. Um, I feel much more like normal. Uh, things have been going very smoothly at the new job location. Um, I went from a place that I had been for over set, which I'm going to talk about all this, but I'll try to give you a little bit of a nutshell, um, just as kind of a, a preface for the intro. I The place that I left, um, that I was taken out of and moved somewhere else, um, I had been working there for a little over seven and a half years, you know, minus a couple months uh, when I was elsewhere. Um, but I have not, I have, have not gone to a new job site since I want to say July, June or July of 2017. So it's been over six years since I've gone to a new job site with new people and everything else. Also at the other job site, I, I'm still a foreman. Uh, there I was the foreman. I was the only foreman there. So I was kind of in charge of everything that went down for our company at that job site. I took care of everything, bidding jobs, p- doing payroll, making sure everybody had material ordered, uh, all those kinds of things. At this job site, I'm still a foreman, but it's structured much differently. It's a much larger job site. Uh, and so there I have other general foreman and superintendent that are uh, over me. So I, it, the, the pecking order is different now. Everything's different. It's instead of a 30-minute drive, I have an hour drive to get to work. Instead of having Fridays off, I still work 10-hour days Monday through Thursday, but then I have to work 8 to 10 hours on Fridays as well. So uh, a lot more time at work, a lot less time to be available to do this, which uh, that was a big part of what I was struggling with when I recorded the intro. And I think I'm going to do my best to get that uploaded today. That was supposed to go up like 10 days ago. Um, it was supposed to go on November 2nd because I got the news that all this was happening on November 1st. November 2nd was whenever that podcast was supposed to get uploaded. I recorded that intro on November 3rd. Yes, November 3rd, that Friday. Um, and then I, I did get it edited that day and I was just so off, just so messed up. I didn't get it uploaded. 
Um, so I will hopefully get that done tonight or tomorrow. So you'll, whatever day I get that posted, as I record this on Saturday, November 11th, um, I hope to have it posted today. If not, it'll be, it's going to be a random day that you'll see it. Um, but hopefully you come back. If you saw that one, now you're seeing this one, you're understanding a little bit more of the, the full circle. I was going to record, re-record an intro to that one. Um, but I didn't want to hide. I didn't want to be fake with it. I didn't want to, uh, mislead anybody. I wanted, I, I feel like it's important that we are real and we are authentic with the struggles that we have, the things that we're going through, what, what the enemy is trying to do to us and what God is doing in our lives. So I left it alone. I'm going to, I'm going to upload it the way it is. I'm not, uh, necessarily proud of uh, the way it is, I guess you could say, but I'm going to leave it and I'm going to, it's going to be what it is. And so I hope that it speaks to someone. I hope that this message speaks to someone. It's called break the chains. And, um, I, my prayer for you is that whatever chains are on you in your life, that you will allow God to break those, that you will use the power, the authority that you've been given in Christ with the Holy Spirit inside of you to break those chains in your life. And uh, this message, and I, I wrote it, I hand wrote it afterwards because I, I didn't think to put it in there until later. Um, so hopefully I remember to say it uh, as I'm preaching it. But this message is a why, not a how. This message is why we break the chains, why we can break the chains. And I think there may be a part two um, that's more of a, in the future, that's more of a, how do we break the chains? What do we do? What steps do we take? So that's not exact, not necessarily what this message, what this episode is going to be, but I still think it's important. I think this is an important step one to understand why, why do these things happen and why is it okay? Why are we okay when these things happen? Uh, the why is the first step in my opinion, the how comes next. And so I think there's probably going to be a part two to this uh, for my next message, which uh, our lead pastor will preach, my father-in-law will preach next week. And then we have a drama that we're going to do for the weekend of Thanksgiving, and then I'll preach the week after that. So I'll have to make sure uh, that Brandon is on vacation right now. He went back to New Jersey to see his family. Shout out Brandon, shout out Tanta, me, mom, B, pop, all you guys. I love you guys so much. Uh, Riley, Chris, Brandon, and Braden, all you guys. I wish I could have gone with Brandon. Uh, but unfortunately, I had to stay here and, you know, do life. But uh, hopefully we get out there soon to see everybody. But he's gone this week. He'll be back on Monday. Uh, and then hopefully he and I can get in. It's been a while since him and I have gotten in here. Brother James, uh, I'm really, really hoping that I can get a hold of him on a Saturday morning. Maybe we can meet up and eat breakfast. Brother James, if you're watching this, we need to do breakfast at Yoder's at 7 a.m. when as soon as they open and then bounce over here and record a pod together. That would be amazing. I, I would really, really enjoy that. So. With that being said, I don't know how long the message is <laughs> because I haven't preached it yet. Um, I have more notes for this one than I have uh, for quite a bit of it. I went ahead and typed a lot of stuff out that I that I just I, I think I just know, and I'm going to speak, uh, you know, from the heart in the moment, whatever the Holy Spirit leads me to say about everything that's been going on. Um, and so I'm I am excited to get that out there, uh, especially for the online community, for the preach that community that's been watching and listening and following along because. Um, this message will really give a lot of context to the intro that I recorded for the last one. So um, I hope that everything said and done through this podcast, through this platform, blesses you. Um, it encourages you. It uplifts, up, uplifts you that the Holy Spirit uses it to convict you to righteousness when necessary. I hope it convicts me to righteousness when necessary. And I hope that we can continue to do this together. So um, there was a, pl- a moment in time, there was a, a, a several moments of time where I thought I was just done with this podcast. Um, But I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to keep doing what I feel God's called me to do. Uh, No matter if it helps one person or a thousand people or a million people, it doesn't matter. One is enough. If it helps me, that's enough. If it helps me to stay firm in my relationship with Christ, to keep moving forward, to keep preaching his word, to keep getting sharper with the word of God, to understand it more, to learn more, all of those things, it's all worth it. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Make sure you like and share and subscribe. Make sure you uh, check out Patreon, five bucks a month. Uh, We'll get you access to early access to these videos, uh, to each episode. It'll give you a a discount on the merch store, which there's some stuff going on with the merch store. I got to get figured out. Um, So I would hold off on that if you're thinking about it, or if you have been thinking about it, I would hold off for now until I can get some bugs worked out because we've ran into some issues with that. 
Um, and then as the Patreon community starts to grow, I do look forward to doing some exclusive videos, live videos on there, um, maybe some uh, a Zoom chat that we can do and record and then upload it to YouTube and Patreon. But the Patreon members will be the ones that will be able to be on the Zoom with me to talk and interact, ask questions and fellowship together. So uh, I've got a lot of uh, ideas for that as it continues to grow. Um, and I appreciate those that are here early for the ride on Patreon. You guys are amazing. Um, this, like I said, a couple episodes ago, this, uh, nice microphone arm that has made everything 10 times easier for me. So much more streamlined. I don't have to build stuff and tear it apart every time I go back and forth and everything else, which I explained two episodes ago. I think it was episode 49, uh, with Brandon when I talked about that, but, um, those types of things, making this better more accessible and more relevant for you guys is all what uh, my heart is all about for that. So if you want to check out Patreon to help support this podcast, support what God is doing through this ministry, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, with that being said, oh, my father-in-law is here. He's in his office talking on the phone or something. I thought somebody, was, somebody else was in the hallway. Um, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. You're amazing. And I will see you on the next one. Before we get into the message, if I could trouble you, I know there's at least, I think Bill might be the only one that was here first service that's going to have to stand up again, but could all of our veterans, past, present, could you all please stand for just a moment so we can honor you this morning? The, the sacrifices that you all have made, the sacrifices that many around you, your friends and family have made, we honor that here today. On this Veterans Day weekend, we appreciate that more than you will ever know, more than we'll be ever be able to thank you verbally or any other way. Uh, this country is what it is because of men and women like you guys. So we very, very much appreciate the sacrifices that you've made. I, uh, I have a question as we get into the message this morning that I'm, that I'm wondering, and I'm hoping the answer is yes. But can we get like, can we get real this morning? All right, I'll just talk to my dad in the back, and you guys can. Can we get honest this morning? Is it okay if I get emotional this morning? Because it's a good chance that's going to happen. Just a heads up. If you don't like seeing bearded grown men get teary-eyed, I, I would probably go in the back with the kids for now. Of course, you might cry if you go back there with the kids. I don't know. Look, everyone, <laughs> Jake, Jake's got a test testimony here. He says you might. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My kids are back there, so we'll pray. We'll pray for you. But... I know everyone came in here with something today. It may be the heaviest thing you've ever carried in here. It may be the lightest thing you've ever carried in here. I don't know. I don't need to know. God knows. But I know that everyone brought something in here this morning. And uh, I just want to be honest about it today. I just want to be real about it. I've talked about it before. We, we can't conquer anything. We can't heal from anything. We can't have restoration in our lives if we can't just be real and honest about the things that need healing and restoration and conquering in our lives. Amen? We've got to be honest and we've got to be real about those things. And I think we do a decent job of it here at this church, but I know that we can do better. One of our, our main goals in every area, whether it's preaching the word, whether it's greeting people, whether it's taking care of the building, whether it's watching the kids in the back, one of our main goals here is to bring excellence for Christ in everything that we do. From, from the most important to the least important, that doesn't actually exist in the body of Christ, but you know, we put our worldly, our fleshly labels on things from top to bottom, left to right, everything done here, we want it to be done with excellence. And I'm going to do my best to do that this morning. And the only way that I can bring excellence is to bring honesty and transparency and vulnerability and authenticity. So I'm going to do my part, and I hope that we can all do our part together as we get into this this morning. And I've got a story that I want to share with everyone today. And I know some people don't like preachers telling stories, but I promise it's related to the Word of God. There's some people that, that don't like any, they want ex, expos, ex, expository preaching only. They don't like the stories, they don't like the topical sermons. I kind of tend to do a little bit of both, but today I'm going to tell you a story. And although it's my story, and it's about my life, I hope that you will see the bigger picture here, that this story is really not about me. I'm only telling you this story to give honor and glory to the one that makes everything possible in our lives. So, before I get to the story, I want to read out of Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 12, and it says this. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. 
and the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Now remember that word deceiver. That's very key to this message here this morning. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers, so we've got a deceiver and an accuser. We need to remember that here this morning. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. So we've got a deceiver. Make sure I get the words correct. We've got a deceiver. We've got an accuser that comes with great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word that is alive and active. Lord, I ask that you would empty me of myself and let only your words come forth here this morning. God, speak directly to our souls. Let the Holy Spirit commune and speak to our spirits here as we examine your word and let this testimony go forth with power, not because of who is delivering it, but because of who is getting the glory because of it. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I said I'm gonna be honest, so I have to tell you the truth. I do not, I did not, and I do not want to tell you this story. In fact, I argued with the Holy Spirit. I borderline refused until like Friday evening, I finally conceded to the Holy Spirit and said, fine, I'll tell him. I'll tell the story, we'll get into it, and then it'll, we'll see what happens from there. I, I borderline refuse, but the reality is that Revelation chapter 12 is true. Why is it true? Because it's found in the word of God. The word of God is true. There is power in our testimony as followers of Christ, amen? There is power in my testimony of how I came to salvation. There is power in the testimonies that I've seen through my life as an individual, my life as a husband, as a father, the people around me, this very church. There is power in our testimony. So I figured out eventually that I didn't really have much of a choice but to bring this testimony, this story forth because scripture tells us that that's how we overcome our enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This passage in Revelation gives us a picture of the, of the devil's last day in heaven before he was thrown down and it gives us some great details as to what we can see, what should we should expect and experience here on this earth as a result. After his rebellion against God, he lost the battle he was thrown down to the earth in defeat, and through this process, two things happened. There was a celebration in heaven, and there was a warning given to the earth and to the seas and its inhabitants, us. It says, woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you. It says, come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. Now, if I know anything about wrath is that it's not good. I've never heard anybody say that they're going to bring their wrath upon me, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> I think if I remember correctly, I looked at the definition of the word wrath and it said great anger. I have never enjoyed anger when it was directed my direction. Another thing that I know, because I am very much a procrastinator and I usually do many things when time is short, that when time is short, the person doing the things that they have to do is going to do it intentionally. They're going to do it quickly, swiftly, efficiently, effectively, and with a purpose. So if it tells us that he's coming to bring his wrath against us because he knows his time is short, he is going to bring his wrath in all of those ways that I just described. He's going to do it with a purpose. He's going to do it with a reason behind it. We need to remember that, and that's exactly what I have experienced over the last, I think it's 11 days if I did the math correctly. I'd have to ask my former math teacher, now science teacher, but truly a math nerd at heart, my mom, to make sure that I got the math correct, but I think I can subtract 11 from 12. So I think we're good. On Tuesday, November 1st is whenever all this started, and uh, my boss came to visit me at work. For those of you that are newer and don't know, I'm an electrician by trade. So I, during the daytime, I'm a, a foreman for an electrical company here in this area. I went through an apprenticeship and did all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that will make this next part make a lot more sense if you didn't know that already. So I was at work, not here, at work, and my boss came to visit me. 
And the location that we're at, we call it an island. I'm not going to give names of like places and companies because I don't want to get you know in hot water later because I was giving inside information about anything and we're recording and it's whatnot. So I'm just going to use vague terms. But well, the place that I was working at before, and I point this way because the place is that direction. If you know your directions at all, it's, it's right. <laughs> Allie doesn't like north, south, east, west. She likes forward, backward, left, right. But anyways, that's beside the point. The place that I was at before, nobody ever, we called it an island because nobody ever came and visited us. If I needed something, I called and they would bring it to me. And if there was something going on, they would let me know. Other than that, there was very little communication and that's how we wanted it. We enjoyed it that way. We were on our own little island in our own little world. We were just go to work, get stuff done, go home. It was fantastic. We have another saying in the trades, if you will, called make your own conditions. And man, we had them conditions figured out out there, okay? It was awesome. Uh, make your own conditions would be like if the break room is dirty and gross, then maybe you clean it up or you have a mini fridge at home, you bring it in for the guys or an extra microwave, you know, do whatever you got to do to make work as enjoyable as possible. I tell people all the time, nobody wants to be here. Let's do what we can to work together and enjoy it for the 10, 12 hours, however long we got to be here. And let's go home to our families safely. That's always the key. So make your own conditions. And man, we made them conditions good too. We set it up. It was easy. I had the group of guys around me. Shout out Jason if he ever watches this. Jason was one of my best friends now. We've worked together since. So I went, the place that I was before we went, I went out there as a fourth year apprentice in March of 2016. I went out there before Peter was ever even born. I, there for about three months, I had bounced around to other places. And then I went back in like June of 2017. So I, for the last seven and a half, probably seven and a quarter out of the last seven and a half years, I've been at this one place. In August of 2017, after I'd become a journeyman back in May, they asked me to be the foreman of the crew. So I was like the man out there, if you will, for our company. I was the one that I bid the jobs. I did the time. I turned in paperwork to the office. I communicated with the, the higher ups of the company, the place that we did work. I was the middleman between them and my company. I had lots of responsibilities, lots of stuff to do. Sometimes it was stressful. Sometimes it was a piece of cake. Just depending on the day and the week, I'm sure everybody can probably relate to that. But we had it figured out, Jason and I and the, and the crew that we had out there, we got along great. We became really close friends. Every aspect of it was just awesome. 18 months ago or so, uh, I went and I went through all the proper channels, got our schedule changed. Well, I didn't have to work Fridays anymore. It was awesome. Jake and I would go golfing on Friday mornings, so like all the time. It was fantastic. Then I'd come here and I could work on stuff here. Allie teaches at Arthur Christian School. That's where our boys go. They get out at noon on Friday. So we have our afternoons on Friday together, extra time on the weekend with my family. Everything was great. And then November 1st of 2023 happened and my boss came out. And like I said, it's usually a really good thing, a really bad thing. It wasn't springtime, so he wasn't bringing me a bonus check. That's all I knew. He comes in and he informs me that I will be moving from that job site location to another job site location, which is that direction. Uh, they have recently had quite the event that left some buildings in disarray, if that tells you anything. I won't go into too many details because, again, I don't want to get in trouble. But I was going from a job site that was 30 minutes from my house to a job site that's an hour from my house. I was going from having a three-day weekend every weekend to working possibly some Saturdays, definitely every Friday, and extra overtime throughout the week. I was going from a group of guys that I had known, one guy I had known for six-plus years, to a group of guys I had never met in my entire life. I was going from a place where I was the man to a place where there was lots of other men, and there were multiple guys that were higher up on the totem pole for me. It was a complete shock. Fortunately, I wasn't getting demoted. I still remained as a foreman in my position. I remained with the company vehicle with the gas card in the glove box. That is the best part of everything that they have done for me so far that I don't have to pay for that. I still had all that in place, but on the surface, it seemed like it wasn't that big of a deal. I signed up for this. As of those first four years of my apprenticeship, I worked at different places, different factories, different locations. I still, it drives Allie crazy probably. Every time we drive through Charleston, I'm like, hey, you see that CVS right there? I helped build that. I worked on that job. See all those lights? I wired up every single one of those lights. I'm that, I'm that construction trade dad that drives around and tells the kids all the different hospitals and stuff that I've worked on. I think it's kind of cool. They, probably, they think it's cool now. They're going to get sick of it eventually when they get older. But I was used to it. They tell us up front, before you even join the apprenticeship, you're going to travel, you're not always going to work close to home, you're going to be going this way to work, and somebody that you know is going to be going this way to work, and you're going to pass each other, and you're both going to have a long drive. There are things, you're going to get dirty, you're going to get sweaty, you're a construction worker. That's what they always told us. And so I signed up for this. But for the last seven plus years, I've had a gravy train, really. I was spoiled. I got used to it, and I fell in love with it. 
And everything that I had known just got ripped out from under me all in one day, and it was a complete shock to my system. Again, on the surface, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but it's rarely, life in general is rarely what it seems on the surface. There are things in this world that the devil, the enemy, the accuser, and the deceiver, the liar of all liars, tells us that are not true. And sometimes it's really, really hard to believe the truth when all we can see are the lies. There's quite a conundrum that we find ourselves in when it comes to that. Now, again, it doesn't seem that bad on the surface, but Ephesians 6.12 reminds us, and I'm sure it's a passage that we're all fairly familiar with, if we don't have it memorized already, that explains what I'm talking about here. It says that we, for, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Throughout the week of November 1st and on throughout that week, I started to ask some questions and try to get some clarity, and then it was discovered that there were some individuals that were not my biggest fans that were doing some work in the background in the unseen places to kind of set up this process to remove me from where I was at and send me, they didn't really care where I went, I don't think, but to send me somewhere else. And so every day just had something new, it seemed like, and I was training my replacement for a a job that I didn't want to leave, that I was being forced to leave, and all of these things, and finding out there were people behind the scenes that were coming up with lies about me and manipulating other people to then then turn against me, to then move me somewhere else that I didn't want to go. And it just kept piling on and piling on, and it seemed like it was never ending. But even those people that are working behind the scenes in the unseen places that I'm referring to, that Ephesians chapter six is referring to, those aren't the people that I'm battling against. Regardless of their intentions, regardless of their heart, regardless of their motives, I am not fighting flesh and blood. I am not battling the faces that I see that I know are against me here on this earth. I'm battling against those that are in the unseen places, the heavenly realms, the powers, the forces of evil in the heavenly places, those rulers, those authorities, those are the ones that we battle against, church. It would have been really, really easy. Listen, I I know things about people too. It would have been really easy for me to get right back in my flesh and start letting everybody else know the things that I know about certain people to try to fight back and to try to get my way and to put, you know, stand 10 toes down and fight against them in the flesh but that's not where the battle is actually taking place. It's where we see it, it's where it manifests, but that's not where the real battle takes place. And I was reminded of that as, and I've shared it before in other messages that I've battled against depression and anxiety and, and things like that before. I want you to know something today. Don't ever say, oh, that's just my anxiety flaring up. Don't ever say that. It's, it's not your depression. It's not my issue that I'm dealing with. It's a battle that I'm facing in the unseen places in the heavenly realms. That would be like the same position matters when it comes to the kingdom of God. Position is very important. That would be like me saying that, that this isn't my wife. This is a wife that I live with and share a house with and raise kids with. That seems kind of funny, but labeling her as my wife dictates the entire basis of our relationship. It creates a level of intimacy. It creates a level of of trust and respect. It goes deeper. And if you say that those things are yours, you are creating, you are claiming them, you are making them a part of who you are. This whole story that I'm telling you, this depression, anxiety, the fear, the the shame, everything that we're going to talk about this morning is not mine. It's the enemies that he's trying to place on me. And if he can get me to claim it, it will become part of my identity. And then those chains that we're going to talk about become tighter and tighter and tighter. Position matters in the kingdom of God. And from Tuesday on, like I said, I've battled against these things before, but that was a cakewalk compared to what the last 11 days have been in my life. I think I sat down, I was thinking about, I think from Tuesday to either Friday or Saturday, I think I had a total of three meals in that time of that time span. I think I drank about a half a bottle of water a day, maybe if we were lucky. I, I, I mean, this might be TMI, but I don't, I barely went to the bathroom. I was 
extremely dehydrated. I wasn't eating anything. I couldn't sleep. I'd be up until one, two, three in the morning, kind of doze off on the couch a little bit, think I can go to bed, go to lay down, have a panic attack, get up, leave the room, waking her up all hours of the night, and she's probably miserable too. All of these things. I couldn't breathe. My chest was so tight. If I tried to take a deep breath, it physically hurt. My, the, by, my, by my lungs, my stern, everything hurt. I would be sitting for hours on end and look at my heart rate on my watch, and it was like 112 beats per minute. My resting heart rate is typically like 60, 65, somewhere in there. I'm a, doesn't look like it, but I'm a fairly healthy guy. My heart rate was just skyrocketing. I, I, I would see the, the kids running around, and they're just having a great time. And, Dad, you want to come play? Dad, you want to come play? And I couldn't even get up to go play with my own children. Watching them want me to play with them, it, it, I couldn't have wanted to do anything less. And then I was even more miserable because I felt like a worthless, horrible father because I didn't even want to get up and play with my kids. That last Saturday... Allie was, had some uh, other kids over to the house that she was watching and she was making Norwegian waffles. It was her mom's birthday and, and she was doing all these things and I was so consumed by this. She's up cooking, cleaning, watching extra kids. Six kids running around the house. She had a, a, one of her teacher friends over to, to help her with the stuff and, and they were having a great time and I just sat on the couch for hours and just stared at the TV. I thought I was being helpful because I ran to Walmart to get a pickup order. I didn't even get out of the van. I just sat there, called the people, said, hey, I want my stuff and they brought it to me. And then I went back home and sat on the couch and stared at the TV some more. I was all but numb. I wish I was numb because then I wouldn't have felt the things that I was feeling. My heart wouldn't have been racing inside of my chest. I wouldn't have felt like a bad dad or a bad husband. I would have felt like I could actually function. And if I'm being completely honest, last Sunday, I was trying to figure out any possible way that I could get out of coming to church. I, this is the last place I wanted to be. and We all know why. The only reason I didn't was because the thought of sitting at home all by myself was worse than having to go to church and be around other people. I didn't even tell Allie that because I didn't get too far because when I came to the realization that I don't want to be alone, that was scarier than going to church and being around people and, and trying to move on through this. And so I went ahead and came to church. And I'm sure that some people probably could notice that I was off the light of the night for Jesus. I'm sure you could notice that I was off because that was the day that all of this stuff came down that I found everything out. It was bad. And when I say bad, I mean it was like bad, bad. It's like the worst. My son, Zeke, almost died. His, he actually coded. His heart stopped for a little bit in the ambulance. And I felt worse this last week than I did whenever all of that was happening. What, the worst thing that I've ever experienced in my life. And again, on the surface, it's not that big a deal. I still had a job. I, I was still going to get paid. I was just driving a little bit further to work, going to somewhere else, and f going to a new crew, something I had done countless times before. But the enemy reared his ugly head. He brought that wrath against me because he knows his time is short and he tried to cut everything off that I had in my life. And I'm sure some of you guys are wondering why in the world would a pastor ever stand in front of his church and tell him all of these horrible things that he's been dealing with and how terrible his last 11 days have been and why would he not bring an encouraging and uplifting message and trust me, that's what I tried, that's what I wanted to do. I told Allie, I said, I don't want to talk about this on Sunday. Like I, I, I'm moving past it, I'm, I'm going to move on. I don't want to even think about it anymore. I want to talk about something completely different. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me because if I would have done that, the people that are listening to this, that it, whether you've dealt with these exact battles or something different, this all comes back from the same place that Satan hates us and he wants us to be miserable. He doesn't want us to believe the truth of God's word. He doesn't want us to be set free from the chains that he's placed on us in our life. And if he can get me to completely ignore this and act like nothing ever happened and just be completely fake, then he can make you remain alone in your struggles. He can make you still think after walking out of here today that you're alone. You're the only person that deals with this. That all the pastors have it figured out and you're not a good enough Christian because if they didn't have it figured out or if they struggle with stuff, surely they'd talk about it, right? That's exactly what the enemy wanted to do. He wanted me to be fake. He wanted me to not be real, not be authentic, and that's almost what I did. But if, he would have done, if I would have done that, then the enemy would have won that battle and you would have still felt alone. I have a, some advice, some counter advice for you. The advice, fake it till you make it, is garbage advice. We've all heard it a million times. Fake it till you make it. Just put a smile on your face. I think that's probably what the most unspoken Christian motto is lie till I fly. 
I'm just going to pretend that I've got this all figured out. I'm going to make everybody pretend I never struggle with anything, that I never go through anything, that I just trust God in every area of my life, and eventually one day when I die and go to heaven, I'm not going to have to think about it again, and everything will be fine. And how many people remain bound up in the chains in their life because we can't be real, we can't be honest, and we can't tell the truth about the struggles and the testimonies in our own life? I refuse to allow the enemy to get me in a place where I can't do that. Jesus didn't fake it till he made it. My Bible tells me that Jesus wept. My Bible tells me that Jesus sweat blood because of the agony that he was going through the night before he was betrayed, or the night that he was betrayed, excuse me. He didn't fake it and see Judas coming. Oh, hey, Judas, what are you doing in this garden late at night? How are you? Thanks for the kiss. I love you too, brother. He didn't fake it. He didn't pretend that everything was fine and just go with the flow. He asked the Father that this cup would pass from him, that he would have to go to the cross. But he still said, but not my will, let yours be done. These last two weeks have been hard. I know there are people, there are people that I talk to that have experienced similar things, other testimonies that I've heard. There were times that the spirits and the principalities and the, the, these dark, evil spirits were trying to come against me and make me doubt everything, every decision that I've ever made in my life. Making me doubt my choice for what to do for a living. Making me doubt my choice to become a pastor. Trying to make me doubt even the fact that God even exists. I didn't allow him to, but he still tried to put those thoughts in my mind. If God exists, if God were real, if God really loved you, you'd never feel this way. You'd never go through that. Those were lies that the enemy was telling me. Why? Because he was trying to put chains on me. That was his goal through all of this. To wrap those chains as tight as he possibly could to keep me ineffective for the kingdom of God. They were trying to get me bound up with anxiety and depression and worry and fear and despair. All of those things that I was coming against. And those things I'm here to tell you today, anxiety is not just a thing. There is a spirit of anxiety in this country that is going from home to home and family to family trying to destroy the very foundation of the very, the very mirror image of marriage that we are to see between our relationship and Christ. He's trying to destroy families because he knows that children that come from a broken home have a much harder road ahead of them. They're less likely to remain following God. That is what the enemy wants. The spirit of depression is to coming to bind us up, to make us ineffective for the kingdom of God, to make us forget all of the truths of scripture, the freedom that we have. These are not just things, these are not just struggles, they are spirits, they are intentional. They are intentionally coming against us. But I'm thankful for the words that Jesus said in John chapter 15, when he told us that he was going to send us a helper from the Father here on earth. Because that helper, the Holy Spirit, reminded me of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 8. I've read it multiple times before, and here in a second I'm going to tell you why. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 through 8, it says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast a little bit too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. That's why I talk every single time I preach about walking in the spirit. That's why I've referenced 2 Corinthians 10, 4. Many times it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Because the words that Paul said, even if I boast a little too much about our authority, I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed to stand here and preach about the authority that we have as followers of Christ, the, the, the very dwelling place of the Holy Spirit in this world. I will not be ashamed to stand here time after time, week after week, month after month, year after year, and tell you about that authority. I will not be ashamed because that's exactly what the devil wants. 
He wants us bound up in shame so we can't exercise our authority. If we're bound up in shame, we'll never think that we're worthy of having the authority we've been given in the first place and we will never walk in it if we're too ashamed of something else. He wants us bound up in shame. And I fought the battle the wrong way for days upon days. I wasted so much time trying to fight a spiritual battle with my mind and with my flesh. I spent so much time trying to combat the things that I could see instead of going into war against the things that I cannot see. Our authority comes from the unseen. Those weapons that we fight with are not of flesh, but have divine power to demolish strongholds. They are unseen weapons that we fight battles in the unseen places with. We see the effects in the places that are seen, but the battle goes on in the unseen. And I know I'm not the only person to waste time fighting the right battles the wrong way. We said it about Zeke. I mentioned earlier whenever he, whenever we almost lost Zeke in October of 2018, We said it countless times. I'm still saying it today. If we had to go through that, and I'm not going to get into the whole story, the testimonies of the the people's lives that were changed as a result, the people that gave their lives back to Christ as a result of everything Zeke went through. If we had to go through that as parents and see our child clinging to life for others to be awoken, for their spirits to be given new life and to come back to Christ, it was worth it. And I stand here to say the same thing today. If I have to go through what I've gone through the last two weeks, if the enemy tries to use it against me for the rest of my life and I have to fight this battle until Christ comes back or I go to be with him, so be it. As long as that means that God will use everything for good, like Romans 8.28 tells us, and he will teach me lessons through it and he will make me stronger through it. We've got to fight the battle the right way way in the spirit with the weapons that God has given us in the spirit here's a side note and I'm going to direct this mostly at the young people because y'all ain't yoked yet so a lot of these people it's too late so I hope they chose wisely married that's right the Bible is real and it means it. God means it when it says do not be unequally yoked. What that means is don't be married in that covenant relationship with somebody that does not believe in, follow, and give their life to Christ. That's what that means. Lathan, talking to you too because you ain't yoked yet either. The Bible means it when it says that. And I can tell you right now, this is the part where I'm going to make it emotional. If I was not yoked to a godly woman, that knows the truth in scripture, I would not be right here right now. I would still have those chains on me. I can promise you that. She knew when to be stubborn and stern with me, to not let me wallow in my self-pity. She knew when to stand there and to love me and to support me no matter what. This woman came to me and said, if you want to quit your job and sell our house and buy a cheaper one and just get a different job that you're going to enjoy, we'll do whatever you got to do. Our family is what matters. When it says to do not be unequally yoked, it means it. I am so thankful. I'm probably, I probably am unequally yoked because she's probably wiser than I am. And she probably knows Jesus better than I do. That's right. It means it when it says that. And even if you are in a relationship where that may be the case, pray for your spouse. Every single day. Be that person that she was able to be for me in this season to help pull me out of where the enemy was trying to tear me down into. Another thing for the parents, if I didn't have parents that raised me in the way that I should go so in the end I would not depart from it, I would not be standing here right now. If I didn't have that foundation from the beginning of my life of the truth of God's word and who I am in Christ, I would have lost the battle. If I didn't have a tight-knit, close group of friends around me, to encourage me, to lift me up throughout this whole process, I would not be standing here preaching this message right now. I'd either be up here being extremely fake and trying to get through the day, or I wouldn't be here at all. I've been blessed with a group of friends. Chelsea told me, well, think just the double, twice as much drive time means twice as much sermon prep time. (laughs) You have this extra time to listen to the audio Bible or think about what you're going to preach. Ryan, is Ryan in here? Is he in the back? I think he's in the back. Ryan told me, he's like, hey, if you don't want to drive an hour one way to work, you can come work with me and drive three hours one way to work. 
Jake was able to tell me about times in his life where he had experienced something very similar, only he lost that job, didn't have that income for a season of life. Put it into perspective, the blessings that I had and what was actually going on, the opportunities that I still had in my life. If we didn't have a group of pastors and elders here at this church that pray for our needs, I didn't go to anybody and ask. I didn't really even tell my dad everything that was going on. He just kind of figured it out because he's been through the very same thing in his life, probably probably pretty close to around the same time as this, maybe a few years later in life. And he took that to the elders. And last Sunday when I didn't even want to be here anyways, and Brother Jim comes over and gives me the biggest hug ever and prays over me, if we didn't have pastors and elders here at this church that did that, I would not be standing here today. I can promise you that. The relationships in your life, the people you put around you, the church that you attend, all of that, matters because in those moments when you can't see the truth whenever the enemy has you so bound up in these chains that you can't pick up your bible you can't go to god in prayer you feel like you can't trust anyone or anything the people around you in your life can and they will if they know the lord they're filled with the spirit and they love you and they love god that matters the people that we surround ourselves with matters because when you can't pick up those weapons they can And if you surround yourself with the right people, they will. James chapter one, verses two through eight says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, or many translations will say perseverance. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Every time I read that first verse, I think count it all joy when you face trials. Count it all joy? Yes. Why? Because the word of God tells us that it produces steadfastness. It produces perseverance. And that perseverance will carry us through as we run this race. Count it all joy when we face trials because at the end of the trial, God will deliver you. If you're looking for deliverance or breakthrough or healing, it's at the other end of the trial that you're facing right now. And God is waiting there for you as well. And as a result, you'll see a new level of steadfastness or perseverance in your life. That perseverance that you need to make it through this life. This passage is also a great example as to why the devil attacks the children of God specifically with doubts. He uses doubts because as this tells us, if he can get us doubting, he can make us unstable. And if he can make us unstable, then he makes us vulnerable to his attacks and his schemes and his lies. He uses doubts as a weapon to make us unstable so he can attack us where he really wants to attack us. Sometimes the, the thing that you're doubting or the doubts that you have, that's not really even, maybe not even be the area that he's trying to attack you in. But if he can make you unstable because of that, he can attack you wherever he wants to attack you. That's why it's so important, as we read earlier, to take every thought captive to obey Christ about the truth of who he is and the truth of who you are in him. We've got to do what Hebrews chapter 4 tells us to do in 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Why do we take every thought captive and to obey Christ? Because he sympathizes with those thoughts. He sympathizes with us. Many people say it's one of the more popular leadership quotes. You can't lead someone that you've never been. And what the book of Hebrews is telling us, we can trust Jesus, we can follow Jesus because he can lead us there because he's been there. He has been tempted by the same temptations that we face. He has gone through battles and trials just like we have. He's been there 
And he is there now with you and he can lead you through it. And what does that do for us? It allows us to draw near to the throne of grace with confidence. I can confidently go to the throne because I know that the one that sits on it has been where I am. He sees what I'm going through. He's walked through it with me. I can have confidence that he will deliver me from it because he has power over it. We can go to the throne of grace with confidence. We can go to Christ. Listen, I've talked about it before. The difference between confidence and arrogance is who your faith is in. If it's in you, it's arrogant. If your faith is in Christ, you can be confident. We can be confident going to the throne of grace with our needs, with our sins, with our confessions, as scripture just told us, because Jesus has been there. He's gone through it and we can trust him to lead us through it. You guys want to get ready to close for this? I truly, I really pray that the heart of what I've been trying to express has been able to go out and be heard and understood. Because honestly, this whole entire story is extremely embarrassing for me to share with anybody. It was embarrassing to go to breakfast with my parents last Saturday and not tell them what's going on, knowing they knew what something was going on, knowing they knew that I was struggling. All of this stuff is very embarrassing for me to confess out loud. It's a little bit easier now because I did it already at eight o'clock and so that getting the, some of the nerves out made it a little bit easier to do. I had a little bit of a, a, a first go at it earlier. But that's exactly what the enemy wants us to feel. He wants you to be embarrassed about the mistakes you've made. He wants you to be embarrassed about the struggles that you face. Like I said, if he can get you bound up in shame, he can keep you from doing anything that God has called you to do. The only way to counteract shame are through truth and authenticity. Shame can only live where truth and grace do not. Truth and grace can dismantle the burden, the chain of shame in your life. I've done my best to bring some truth to you this morning and to be honest, to confess as scripture tells us. Honestly, to repent for the times that I lacked trust in the Lord, that I lacked faith that God would see me through. Hoping and trusting that you will bring grace back in my direction as a result. And I can promise you that the times where you bring truth to me and you bring confession to me and you bring repentance to me, I can promise you I will have an abundance of grace to extend back your direction. Just like we can trust Christ because he's been through it, you can trust that I will have grace for you because I've been through it many times. This isn't the only one. This isn't the first. But I've been through it and I know that the truth and that grace will counteract that shame and see us through. This message is not necessarily a message of how, this is more of a message of why. There may be a part two to this. I don't preach for a few more weeks with some other special services we have going on, so maybe the next one will be a part two and it will be more of a how we battle against these things instead of why we battle against these things. This was more of a, you're not alone. We all go through things, we all fight, we all struggle. These principalities aren't just attacking certain ones of us, it attacks everybody. If you call yourself a child of God, you have an enemy that hates you, who knows his time is short and is doing everything he can to make your life miserable and ineffective for the kingdom of God. This is why we struggle with these things. But the passage that I I wanna close with today is why we share these things with one another. Why pastors preach messages like this. Why we should be true and and honest with one another. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, this is the key to everything. Everything that we've talked about, everything that I've gone through the last couple weeks, everything that I've shared with you, this is the key. This is why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If we want to see things change in this world, the body of Christ needs to relearn how to have the ability to be weak. Not weak by the world's standards, but weak by the way that the scripture, the way that the word of God describes it. The body of Christ needs to have the humility to be weak, to be honest, to be transparent in our weakness so that the power of God can be made perfect in our lives. So the strength of God can come to the surface and be made known in our lives. Again, the verse we read at the very beginning, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony matters. I said it before, I've always felt like I have a boring testimony of how I came to Christ because I just always went to church and then I believed in Jesus one day. There's not a ton to it, but the power that even is in that testimony, the faithfulness of God. Allie and I can stand here and we give our children two very different testimonies. Many worldly things, many sinful things that I made decisions to partake in and to walk through that she never did. But there is just as much power in her testimony of being faithful to the Lord throughout her entire life as there is in mine of the struggles and the trials and the temptations that I succumb to. There is power in your testimony. And when we are able to be weak in front of people and share that testimony with them, that gives them the ability to become weak so that Christ can be strong in them. Our weakness can be the door to someone else's healing and restoration. We can't be afraid to be weak. No longer will we let the chains of shame or guilt or or self-consciousness rule in our lives to the point where we can't be honest with one another and be vulnerable with one another and be weak in the presence of God and our brothers and sisters so that they can lift us up and so that we can share testimony of the goodness of God in our lives. We've got to have the ability to be weak. Because in weakness, we can get to the place where we can confess and where we can repent, as Scripture tells us. Pastor Tim's been saying it for weeks. Repentance leads to revival. It's time that the church gets to the point where we aren't focused on the shame in our repentance, but we're focused on the weakness and the humility that we have to repent. We're never going to get to that place in our lives if we refuse to be weak, if we're too proud to be weak, if we're too full of pride of life to be weak, if we're too afraid of the temptation outside if we become weak. It's not weakness like the world wants you to believe it is. The world wants you to believe that if you're weak, you're less than. If you're weak, you're not good enough. If you're weak, you're a failure. That's not what weakness is in the kingdom of God. Weakness is humility. And to be completely honest and transparent with you, weakness is freedom. Freedom from the shame. Freedom from the expectation. Freedom from the need to be perfect all the time. Freedom from the need to act like you have it all together 24-7. Weakness will bring freedom in your life. At the very least, when we go confidently to the throne of grace, the one sitting on the throne already knows everything that you're too afraid to say in the first place. There's no reason to, be, to not be weak in the presence of God. It's in that weakness that his power is made strong. Our repentance comes from a place of humility and weakness and that is the birthplace of revival because whenever you are weak you give someone next to you the freedom to then be weak themselves and actually find the healing that they've needed in the first place your pride will prevent your healing or restoration or deliverance 10 times out of 10 Every sin, everything that you are ashamed of, I guarantee if you go back to the root of the root of the root, it's probably pride. And I really, really wanted to let my pride prevent me from talking about any of this ever again. I feel a lot better. I've felt better for several days. 
I got through my first full week at the new job site location, and, and I'm, I'm starting to figure things out. I know where stuff's at. I can tell people what's going on. I can explain things. I can answer questions, and I feel so much better about it. But it's not about me feeling better. It's about me honoring God with what he has given me and done in my life. And that comes from a place of being able to stand here and be weak in front of the body of Christ. As an example of what we can all do and the freedom that we can all have. Through the strength of God in my weakness. Because I am weak, I am now strong because I allowed God to take me to the places that I needed to get to to find the healing, to find the restoration, to find the freedom. I am stronger in Christ. I will be a better husband because of it. I'll be a better father because of it. I'll be a better pastor because of it. I'll be a better electrician because of it. I'll be a better mission in the mission field at work and to and from and everywhere I go because I walked through this trial. That's why it says, take joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because through those trials, we have the perseverance and the strength in our weakness to march forward for Christ. That's when the world starts to see, wait a minute. People are lying about him. People are coming to work at his new location, coming up with lies about him and telling people that, we're, that I'm going to hurt them. Literally, that happened on Tuesday, Wednesday. Even in the midst of all of this, I can stand there now and say, God is good. Say what you want. I trust in God. So many things that I've been preaching about for the last six months. The enemy came at me like, yeah, you failed in that one. Yep, you failed in that one. You didn't practice what you preached here. You didn't say, do what you said there. And even among all of that, even the times that I did fail, even the times that I do have to repent of and say, I'm sorry, God, that I preached one thing and walked out another. I can still stand here and say, God is good. I trust in him. He is my portion. He is my strength. He is my deliverance. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my everything. Because at the end of the day, if I walk through this for the rest of my life, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That was 11 days. I'm 31 years old, almost 32. I don't know how many days I've been alive, but it's 11 multiplied. And those 11 days felt like an eternity. But at the end of the day, what matters is what God's word says about me, about my calling, about what God has placed in me and what he wants and expects out of me. That is my focus. That is what matters. And we can all walk. Can you imagine if the body of Christ as a whole got to a place where we can be weak with one another? The scripture tells us in the book of James to confess your sins one to another, to be open, to be honest. Everything that I'm talking about, it comes from scripture. That is what we are to do to build one another up. Listen. If you go to me, to Allie, to Pastor Tim, to Pastor Greg, to anybody here, I can promise you, if you are open and honest and vulnerable with them and you tell them the truth, you're not going to get met with judgment. You're not going to get met with lies. You're not going to get met with rumors. Go to the people you know are full of the Holy Spirit that you can trust and just be real with one another. There is healing in that. And I promise you, you'll be stronger when you're weak with your brothers and sisters. There is power when the children of God can admit that we can't do it on our own and we give the floor, we give the opportunity, we give the power, we give everything to Christ. That's what we've got to do. Time is short. The enemy knows time is short, so he's fighting and battling harder than ever. We better do the same. He is going to continue coming against all of us with things similar to what I've experienced, similar to what I've talked about. He's going to keep battling. He's going to keep pouring out his wrath that he came on this earth to give against us. And if his time is short, our time is short because the end of the line is the same end for both of us. 
It's the same end for him. It's the same end for us. Time is short for us too. It's time for us to be working and battling and fighting the same way that our enemy is fighting. Tirelessly. Effectively. Efficiently. With a purpose. And that purpose can be found in the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary. It's time that we as the body of Christ move forward in that truth. If we do that, we can't lose. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that your word brings power. I thank you that your word brings clarity, that it brings peace, that it gives us joy, that it gives us strength. God, I thank you that even the trials that the enemy will try to bring against us for our demise are the very trials that we can be thankful for when we walk in the spirit because we know you will use it for our good and for your glory. Lord, speak to us this week, this month, this year, as we move forward, as we look to your coming to get us and snatch us up. God, speak to us every single day. Remind us every single day that your strength is made perfect in our weakness and that we can trust in you because you are a good, good father, because you are honest and true. Father, we love you and we want you to be honored in everything that we say and do from this point forward, God. Give us the freedom that you promise us that we need to move forward and then take that freedom to others around us that need it to. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.